know, the, the older I've gotten, one of the things that I've come to appreciate the most about my parents, and if you've been around for any amount of time, I talk about them frequently, not because they're perfect, but because uh, I believe uh, in so many ways my journey of faith is standing on their shoulders, and you know, the Bible just tells us, give honor where honor is due, and, and I know that's not all of your stories. Uh, in fact, that might not be a lot of your stories, but I've been so grateful for just the way that my parents over the years really sowed into my journey of faith. And as I've gotten older, one of the things that I've come to appreciate the most about what they kind of invested in us as kids is they had this innate ability to mark significant moments in our life. And a lot of times it was really simple. It wasn't anything extravagant, but they had this ability to kind of help us see what was coming and to name it before it got to us. They could, they could mark a moment uh, before it got to us so we could prepare for it, so we could uh, pray into it, so we could kind of get ready. And you know, it's, it's one thing to notice a significant moment after you've gone through it and to kind of see it in the rearview mirror. You know, we sat down as a family on, on New Year's Eve this year and we kind of reflected back on all that God had done in 2021. And there were some really significant moments that I had honestly forgotten that we had gone through. It's, it's, it's one thing to notice a moment in the rearview mirror, but it is an entirely different thing to see a moment before it comes and to mark it and to say, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna face this thing with, with strength and with faith and with intentionality and with purpose. And so, so often as, as kids, there'd be things in life that were coming our way and in very simple ways, our parents would just kind of sit us down or sometimes on a car ride or around a meal, they'd say, hey, this thing is coming and we want you to notice it and we want you to face it with intentionality. And so. You know, I remember getting ready to go into middle school and my parents say, hey, this is a moment. It's a moment, we want you to mark it. Or when we're getting our driver's license or the day that I left for college, some of you heard me tell the story before. I remember them sitting us down on, on the couch. The, my Jeep was already packed, I was ready to leave and they, they sat us down on the couch and they said, hey, this is a crossing over moment. This is a different moment. Things are not gonna be the same after this. It's gonna be good, it's gonna be sweet, but there's some things that we're grieving. Things are gonna change. This is a moment. Face it with intentionality, face it with a purpose. I think about the day that Sydney and I got married. It was a Friday afternoon. We had so many things to get done for the wedding still, and I remember my parents saying, hey, we've gotta mark this moment. We're gonna to go to breakfast, just the five of us, and we didn't have a lot of time. It was nothing extravagant. In fact, we went to McDonald's over in Green Hills, and uh, why are you guys laughing at McDonald's? You guys are snobs, Nashville snobs. They're, they're like, you can't mark a moment at McDonald's. You can mark a moment at McDonald's. And, and, and we marked a moment. We, we sat there and went, hey, something's changing. And let's just name it. And let's get ready for it. And, and let's, let's prepare. And, and, and I really believe, I just, I wanna say this. Here we are, the first Sunday that we're gathered together in 2022. And, and, and this is a moment. This is a moment I want us as a church family to mark. You know, some of you have done this individually. You know this is a crossing over kind of year for you. This is the year you're getting married or the year where you're gonna propose or the year where you're gonna find somebody to propose to get married. It's like, you know, for some of you, you know, it's like, it's the year. For some of you, it's a new job. It's, it's a new step of faith. It's that dream that's been in the incubator of your heart for a long time and now it's coming into reality. For some of you, it's the year where you have made the decision you're going to get over that addiction that has held you back. You're gonna break free from that habit of sin you're gonna get your weight under control. A lot of you have already marked the moment personally, but I want it to be a day where we go, hey, let's, let's mark it communally. Because I do believe 
This is going to be a year, whether you notice it in real time or you notice it in the rearview mirror, I do believe this is gonna be a year for our faith family where we look back and we go, that was significant. God did something in us. I believe a, a lot of stuff is coming this year, a lot of fun stuff, exciting stuff, a lot of challenging stuff. There's some stuff that's gonna come at us that at the beginning of the year we don't see, and that's okay, God's gonna be in it. There's some areas of, uns of uncertainty. You know, I just think about even just this building that we're in this morning. You know, if you've been with us, you know that in about five or six months, we will no longer be able to meet here. We've been here for almost 13 years, and, and we're stepping into a new season. Where are we gonna go? We don't know yet. <laughs> when are we gonna go? We don't exactly know yet. We believe God's in it, but here's what we do know is next year on the first Sunday of the year, we will not be doing this in this room. It's gonna be a year of crossing over. It's gonna be a significant year for our community that I do believe is gonna stretch you, is gonna test you, is gonna encourage you. I believe God is gonna do something and I don't want us to miss the moment. I wish we could just put a spiritual pin drop here and go, let's, let's mark this. It's true for our community. I, I believe it's true for humanity without getting too apocalyptic, without getting too like, what's he talking about? Like, I just believe, you know, we've been in two years of real, real challenge, real stretch for the human story. We all know this. I don't have to, it's been a stretching two years, amen? Like, it just a lot of stuff is coming your way. And I do believe this is a significant moment where you and I get to decide what does it look like to move forward? We can keep lamenting what was lost. We can keep wringing our hands over what might be, or we can say, God, would you meet us in the moment? Would you give us wisdom and clarity and direction? And would you help us to live as people that are fully alive? And I believe it's a moment that's gotta be marked. I believe that God is, is inviting us, he is wooing us into more. And you get to decide. <laughs> You get to decide, will you be a casual, convenient Christian? Or, you will be, or will you be a radical disciple of Jesus Christ, filled by the Spirit of God, uh, set ablaze with the glory of God, positioned where he's positioned you for his purposes and his ways in this moment in time? I believe it's a moment. And we get to decide whether or not we mark it and we prepare for it. I believe it's significant. On Tuesday night, we were with our house church and one of my friends uh, who's new to our house church, he made a statement that's just resonated with me over the last five or six days. He said, he said, 2021 was interesting because it was the first year where my faith in Jesus actually cost me something. I thought, wow, what a statement. What, what do you mean by that? He said, it cost me some friendships. He said, I came to a real crossroads. He said, some people that I love, they decided they're out. <laughs> and I had to decide, like, am I gonna re-up? Like, am I in? <laughs> he said, there's some challenges with work and there's some challenges. He said, it was the first year where faith really cost me something. And then, then this is the statement that he made. He said, I think this is just a precursor of what's coming. And I believe he's right. I believe 2022 is gonna be a year that all of us will look in the rearview mirror and go, whoa, that was a year. The question is, will we start the year by going, let's, let's mark it.
here we are. And we're going to come at it with purpose. And we're going to come at it with vision. And we're going to come at it with faith. And I love this, this moment in the book of Colossians that, that I want us to just explore together for a few minutes together. You know, the Apostle Paul, he's, he's writing to this church that was, had been planted, had been started by one of his good friends, a guy named Epaphras. He had started this church in this global kind of melting pot of a city called Colossae. And Epaphras, by the grace of God and the Spirit of God, had done a great job starting this little church. And they, were, for the most part, were really flourishing in the moment that they were in. But culture was shifting and an understanding of who Jesus was was shifting. And so Paul's in prison and he's writing this letter to this church in Colossae. And he's not just challenging them to hold the line of faith, but he's calling them to advance the cause of Jesus in the midst of the moment that they're in. And so if, if you look at Colossians chapter one, the first part of the chapter tends to get a lot of press, and the, second, uh, the third part of the chapter tends to get a lot of press, but there's this one little prayer in the middle that often gets skipped over. You know, the first part, Paul's like, man, so proud of you guys, your, your faith in Jesus, your love for each other in the midst of a hard season. Guys, if I could say anything to you as Ethos Church in light of the last two years ago, I am so proud of you, your faith in Jesus, and your love for each other. It's been amazing. That's how he starts the letter. He goes, you guys, you guys are beautiful. You're brilliant. Look at what God's doing in you. Ethos Church, you guys are beautiful. You're brilliant. Do you know that? You're beautiful. It's amazing what God's doing in you. What a gift to be together. That's how he starts the letter. And then the third kind of part of Colossians chapter one, he talks about the sufficiency and the supremacy, the uniqueness of Jesus. And he goes, Hey, let's lift Jesus up again. Let's look at Jesus. Let's be reminded who Jesus is in the midst of our culture. But there's this brilliant little prayer that he prays right in between those two parts. And that's where I want us to hone in this morning. It's a prayer that I so often, I'm kind of tempted to skip over. And we'll just read it together. Colossians chapter one, starting in verse nine. It's the word of the Lord spoken through the apostle Paul, this prayer over a church in the midst of a changing season. He says, it's for this reason since the day that I've heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. And I wanted to stop there for a moment. You know, Paul, here he is in prison, and there's so many things that he couldn't do anymore, but the thing that he could do was pray. And he knew that prayer, like, actually changed things. It's one of the, it's one of the great gifts that we have in our tool belt as followers of Jesus, is that we get to communicate with the creator of the universe, and he gets to communicate with us. And I think one of the great travesties of American Christianity is that our view of prayer is way too low because our view of God is way too small. I remember uh, years ago, a friend of mine, uh, I was walking through the hall of the place where I used to work and I'm running into a friend of mine and we stop and we talk for a few minutes. His name's Steve and I'm like, how are you doing? And he begins to share something kind of tough that he was going through and I said, hey, let me pray for you. And so I prayed for him and uh, honestly, I didn't think it was that great of a prayer. You know, it's okay. You know, I prayed over him and and I get done, and he goes, man, he grabbed me by the shoulders. He's like, thank you so much for praying for me. And here's my response to him. I said, oh, dude, it's, it's the least that I could do. And he got real serious. He stopped, and he goes, it is not the least you can do. It is the most you can do. And he began to give me this sermon on prayer, and I'm like, I repent. I'm sorry. <laughs> Forgive me. Because I've been held captive to this so often, my view of prayer is often anemic because my view of God's too small. And here Paul is, is in prison. He begins to pray. And I want you to listen to what he prays, back to verse nine. He says, I've not stopped praying. We continually ask God to fill you with all knowledge of his will 
and all wisdom and understanding that the Holy Spirit gives. Verse 10, so that, or in order that you may live a life that is worthy of the Lord Jesus, that you may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, that you may grow in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. And we pray that you would give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He has brought us into the kingdom of light of the son that he loves in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Amen. I don't know how you pray, but man, that's a pretty stout prayer. You know, sometimes we're sitting around the dinner tables of family and we ask one of the boys, hey, well, one of you pray and like dinner's hot, everybody's hungry. It's like, God, thanks for the food. Amen. Like, you know, and nothing wrong with those kinds of prayers, but Paul's not praying that kind of prayer. He goes, you're in a moment. You're in a moment, and we're, we're gonna mark the moment, and it's a, it's a moment that deserves a kind of prayer indicative of the size of the God that we worship. And he looks at his church, he goes, there's some things that I just wanna ask on your behalf because I believe God's gonna do something. I believe these are not just words like going up into the air. I actually believe God is going to do something. And this is what I just kind of beseech of you. This is what I ask of you as we come into the beginning of a new year. Would you join me in just praying for a few of these things together as we find ourselves on the front edge of a crossing over season? And the first thing is this, if you take notes, first thing that I notice about Paul's prayer is it is just a prayer of spiritual depth, a prayer for spiritual depth. What is he praying for the church at Colossae? He says, I want you to go deeper with God. I want you to get out of the shallow end and I want you to go into the deeper things of God. Paul's going, hey, I'm praying for depth. Some of you have been in church for a long time. You're still really shallow spiritually. You're still really young spiritually. You're still really immature spiritually. He's not trying to beat us up. He's stating what is, and he's calling us to more. It's a prayer for depth. It's a prayer for moving beyond the breadcrumbs of your parents' faith, or your friend's faith, or your spouse's faith. And saying, God, I really want to know you. I really want to know what it is that you've made me for. And God, I really, really, really want to go after it. Some of you are going, Dave, where'd you get that out of that prayer? He used a bunch of big language. I never saw the word deep. Glad you asked. Here's what I get. Look back at verse nine. He says, here's what I pray for you. Is that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And that you'd be filled with wisdom and understanding that the Holy Spirit gives. He goes, here's my prayer for all of you, is that you would grow in depth regarding spiritual knowledge and spiritual wisdom. Let, let's talk real quick about the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is you knowing the facts about something, the truth about something. That's what knowledge is. You just know the facts. You, you, you know what is. Wisdom is knowing how to rightfully apply that knowledge in ways that are beneficial. Knowledge are, you know the facts. Wisdom is you know how to apply what you know in ways that are beneficial to you and to the people around you. So I'll give you an example. When, when our boys uh, turn six years old, we give them a pocket knife 
Don't send me an email about it. I know there's a lot of, there's lots of thoughts on whether or not that's an appropriate age to give a kid a pocket knife, but well, yeah. Yeah, this is my wife up here heckling me. I'll tell you a quick story about this. So uh, <laughs> when our oldest son turned six, I'm like, it's time to give him a pocket knife because we live in the city and he'll need it. So, um, <laughs> so and Sydney and I had, you know, we had, we had some strong, uh, there's some strong, uh, you know, differing opinions, I would say, on the age of that, the appropriateness of this. And so, um, you know, t- I took Mike on a trip. I gave him this pocket knife and I gave him knowledge about it. Here's how it works. Here's how you open it. Here's the blades. Here's, you know, knowledge, knowledge. But knowledge and wisdom are different. Knowing what it is and how to use it are different than knowing when to use it and where to use it. And so I remember coming home from that little trip and Sydney and I are in the living room and we're having a moment of intense fellowship about whether or not I should have actually gone through and given him the pocket knife. And we're talking about, and I kid you not, as we're talking about whether or not it was a good decision to give him the knife, Micah comes in holding his thumb. It is pouring blood. (laughs) And I'm like, this... (laughs) did not go the way that I had hoped. I was hoping he'd come in with this like carved out statue of his mother, you know, like. <laughs> comes in with a bloody thumb and a trip to the doctor. It's like, oh my goodness, you know, what are we gonna do here? Difference between knowledge and wisdom. He knew what the knife was, but he didn't yet have the wisdom, or maybe his father did not have the wisdom of when to let him use it. I'll put that on me, not on him. Paul says, I want you to have not just any knowledge, not just any wisdom. I want you to have spiritual knowledge, spiritual wisdom. I want you to know God. I want you to know his heart, his character, his words, his ways. I want you to know the character of God better than you know your fantasy football team, better than you know some sports stats, better than you know the stock market, better than you know your girlfriend's favorite color or where she likes to eat. Guys, a lot of us are experts in things that have zero eternal value. And it's not that they're not wonderful and good. I'm just telling you, in the grand scope of eternity, they're meaningless. And before you elbow the person next to you going, I'm talking, he's talking to you. It's to all of us. It's to all of us. If we knew the Lord in his character, in his ways, in his words, as well as we knew some of our favorite hobbies, it would change, it would change our lives, it would change the world. He says, he says, I want you to know. He says, I want you to have knowledge. I want you to know the word of God. I want you to know the times and seasons. I want you to know. And he goes, and then by the power of the Holy Spirit, the end of verse nine, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I want you to have spiritual wisdom so you can take all of that knowledge and then apply it into your work into your parenting, into your relationships, into your neighborhood, into all of the decisions that are coming at you. That you can take your understanding of the character of God and apply it in very real time. Paul says, that's what I long for, that you would become like the men of Issachar in 1 Chronicles 12, 32. It says they had understanding of the time and they knew what needed to be done. They had knowledge and they had wisdom. Guys, this is what God wants to give. It's what James, the half-brother of Jesus, says. He goes, if any of you needs wisdom, do what? He says, ask. God, show me how to apply this knowledge. But I do believe this is going to be a year of significant crossing over, and you're going to have to decide 
Are you going to prioritize going deeper with God? Nobody else, nobody else can do this for you. I was talking to a, a young group of college guys. I said, hey, what's your spiritual plan for the year? Like, like, you know, like, what are you going after this year? If you haven't asked your friends that, it'd be worth asking your friends that. Hey, what are you chasing after this year? And I, I love their response. They said, our group of friends, we've decided every month this year, we're gonna read the entire New Testament. I'm like, whoa, I don't know what I was expecting. It's a pretty great answer. They said, we figured out it'll take about an hour a day to do that. Did you know that? You could read the whole New Testament in about an hour a day, every month. <laughs> they said, we're gonna give up an hour a day, we're gonna read the whole New Testament, and then we're gonna get together on the last day of every month, and we're just gonna spend some time talking about what God was stirring up in our hearts. Not to make this a competition, guys, but I go, man, may we be hungry for the ways of God like that. May we be hungry for God. It's a prayer, number one, for depth. So what am I praying as, we come, as we're coming into the year, this crossing over moment? God, would you make Ethos Church a church that is marked by depth, that is marked by the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God in all situations? I hope you'll join me in that prayer. Second prayer is not just a prayer for depth. Second prayer is a prayer for spiritual integrity. A prayer for spiritual integrity. In other words, that... What you believe about Jesus would be, would be seen as true in the way that you live with Jesus. In other words, that what you believe and how you live would be aligned. Shake your heads if that makes sense. I don't care if you believe all the right things about Jesus, but your life looks nothing like it. What we long for is that there would be integrity in our journey, not perfection yet, not talking legalism here, I'm just going that there would be integrity between what we believe and how we live. I love this, look at verse 10. Right after praying for depth, Paul says, I'm praying this, what are those next two words? Somebody shout it out. So that, here's why I'm praying for depth. So that you may live a life that's worthy of the Lord. Pleasing to him in every way, bearing fruit in every good season, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you will have great endurance and patience. He says, I'm praying for depth, why? So that, so that you may live a life that is worthy of the gift that you've been given in Christ. That's why we're praying for depth. It's not just so you become the smartest Christian that knows more than your buddy down the street. <laughs> your buddy, it's like, no, we pray this so we can live a life that's marked by integrity. Earlier this week, uh, there was a moment where I discovered that my life does not have as much spiritual integrity as I want it to. And uh, we all have these moments, you know, we are talking about something with our kids, uh, and it wasn't like a big sit down, like we weren't, weren't having a Devo. I wasn't like laying out, you know, uh, 12 points of theology. We were just talking about something and I made a casual statement. I said, this is what followers of Jesus prioritize. This is just what we do as followers of Jesus. And my youngest son, seven years old, he was not trying to be a smart aleck, wasn't trying to be funny. He just made a statement. He said, well, dad, how come we don't do that as a family then? And I'm like, boy, you get over here. I'll show you what we do as a family. And then I, I honestly, I'm trying to argue with them. I'm like, you're so wrong. Like, what do you know? Like, you know, but it was true. It was true. He just saw something and he goes, hey, this doesn't line up here. 
what you said and how we live aren't congruent. And Paul goes, I'm praying for depth that you'd move out of the shallow, shallow end of, of your spiritual journey in order that it would, it would invade every single part of your life so that you could live a life, and he goes on to describe some of these things, but it's not an exhaustive list, but he goes, so that you could live a life that looks like Jesus's life. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, one of Jesus' best friends, I love the way that he says it, whoever claims, this is the word of God, 1 John 2, 6, whoever claims to be a disciple of Jesus must live as Jesus lived. That's the litmus test. It's not, did you show up at Ethos most of the time? Oh, I was in a house church, I gave some of the time, I served some of the time. No, it's like, does your life look like Jesus' life? Does my life look like Jesus' life? That's the mark. And the prayer is that the Spirit of God would go, okay, wherever there is not alignment, Lord, would you bring alignment? And the way that we speak, in the way that we think, in the, the way that we live, in the way that we talk, in the way that we steward our time and our money and our relationships and our sexuality and all of these things, that, that it would be stewarded in a way that glorifies, reflects, points to the one that we claim to follow. And so amidst all the things that are coming this year, I go, it's a year where we mark it and go, hey, Lord, would you give us more depth? Lord, would you give us more spiritual integrity? Number three, Lord, would you mark us with a spiritual perspective? Would you mark us? Would you, would you, would you plant our feet in a heavenly perspective? Look at this, verse 12. He says, we pray that giving joyful thanks to the Father, listen to all this, he goes, the one who has qualified you to share in his inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He has brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves, the one in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Amen. So there's so much we can unpack there. But, but I want you to just notice this. Paul goes, hey, I'm praying for spiritual depth for you, that you go deeper. I'm praying for integrity. He goes, but all of that has got to be rooted in this eternal perspective of what is already yours and what will be fully yours on the day that Jesus returns. He goes, in other words, too many of us are, are bogged down in what's right in front of us. It's too easy to get bogged down in, 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 the, in the tyranny of the urgent. And Paul goes, hey, I just want to elevate this. I'm praying for a shift in your perspective that you'd be reminded that you've been rescued, that you've been redeemed, that you've been qualified. Have you noticed none of these things are things that you did for yourself? <laughs> he didn't say, hey, you qualified yourself, you worked so hard, great job. No, you've been qualified. No, you've been invited in. No, you've been redeemed. No, you've been forgiven. And all of this is gonna be made full when Christ returns. And so there's this sense that we live as the people of God with our feet planted in Nashville, Tennessee, but our hearts and our minds rooted in the kingdom of heaven. We go, hey, God, you've given us a purpose, but, but we're not confined to seeing things the way that the world sees them. 
You know, our, our family, we've had the joy and the honor over the years getting to serve God in different countries and different places and such a, such a privilege, such an honor that we don't take lightly. And every time we found ourselves in a different place, we are aware of the context that we're in, but we're always reminded that no matter how much we try to adapt to the context, we are still citizens of somewhere else. And so when, whether we're in Portugal or Kenya or somewhere else, it doesn't matter how much we try to engage the customs of the local place that we're in, we are still American citizens. We think like Americans. We talk like Americans, we eat like Americans, we are loud like Americans, you know. Um, we are American. And I love what Paul is saying. He goes, hey, something has happened to you in Jesus. And your feet may be planted in Nashville, Tennessee, but your citizenship is anchored somewhere else. And so the way that you think and the way that you talk and the way that you see things and the way that you live should be markedly different because your perspective is an eternal perspective. I love this. Paul looks at this church that he loved that by so many, by so many measures was just doing so great. And he goes, hey, but you're in a significant season. It's a moment that I want to mark. And he goes, here's what I'm praying for you. I'm praying for depth. I'm praying for integrity. And I'm praying for perspective. And he goes, and I believe God wants to do it. I just want to challenge us as, as we come into this new year over the next two or three weeks before we enter into our fast. I just invite you to, to join us in praying into these things. God, would you give ethos? Would you give us depth this year? Would you help everybody take a next step? It's not you taking the next step of the person next to you. God, would you help each person take their next step with the Lord this year? Depth. Pray for depth. God, we don't... We don't want to be a church that is 10 miles wide and one inch deep. I want you to be resilient, robust disciples of Jesus that can face whatever comes your way. And in order to do that, we need depth. Let's pray for depth. Let's pray for integrity. That who we are on Sunday mornings looks like who we are on Friday nights. And who we are on Monday in the boardroom looks like who you are in prayer gathering that those things would line up if your neighbors or your friend group or the people in the dorm or whoever showed up and saw you worshiping here this morning, would they be surprised? May there be integrity. May there be depth. May God anchor us with eternal perspective where we believe that this is not about us, but that God is doing something and that we have the grand gift of getting to be a part of it. So if you haven't done this yet, I'd encourage you this week to sit down and to just really assess, maybe to think through your life. Maybe use these three buckets to go, God, where do I need to go deeper? Where is there a lack of integrity in my spiritual journey? God, where's my perspective faltered? Where have I gotten so bogged down in the temporary that I've lost sight of the eternal? I'd encourage you to sit down, take some time to assess where you are to get in smaller community with your house church or discipleship group or friend group or family, to share where you are, to talk about what it is that God is gonna do, and then ultimately to hit your knees in prayer and to say, God, would you just begin to form this in us? If you don't know where to start, I'd encourage you, just set, set a timer on your phone every, every day this week at 9 a.m. This is the 9 a.m. gathering. Set it at 9 a.m. If you're not a morning person, set it for 9 p.m. Just pick a time and say, God, would you give us depth, integrity, perspective as you take us into a year that's going to be marked by great change and adventure in life.
So for some of you, that's your next step. There's some of you here this morning. You're here, not a follower of Jesus. Man, we're so honored you're here. Don't, don't, don't jump over what I'm about to say right here. Everything that we've talked about comes only by the kindness and the grace of Jesus. And this is not self-help. It's not how do you do this on your own? How do you make a great plan? It's how do you surrender to the God of the universe who loves you to receive his grace, his mercy, and then and only then do we begin to walk into the stuff that we've been talking about this morning. So there's some of you here this morning and you know, like you know, I'm not saying this to you, you just know your life is not right with God. I go, why put that off anymore? If you have questions, if you wanna talk, there's gonna be some men and women here in a few moments over here to my left, to your right, at the respond banner. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to answer questions. We'd love to help you explore that together. So what a gift to come into this year. Here's how we're gonna end our time this morning is in just a moment, we're gonna stand up and we're going to receive communion together. I've got great news for you. Ethos communion bread is back. New year, I, I, I love it. Everybody's like, sermon, okay, yeah. Paul's prayer for Colossians, okay. Communion bread, we're in. We're in for that. Um, so uh, we, we have Ethos communion bread and we also have prepackaged communion as well because we know that's, that's the thing. Both of those are on the bar at the table. You might have forgotten how we, we used to do this, so I'm just gonna remind us. Here in a moment, we're gonna stand up and you can make your way to the bar, to the tables, Give yourself some space if you want to. You can let people go in groups. But when you come back to your seats with the communion, I'd encourage you to circle up, get in groups of two or three. And it takes some time. And if you need to, you can read back over Colossians chapter one, read verses 12 through 14. And just think about this idea that we've been qualified, rescued, redeemed, forgiven all through the work of Jesus. Spend some time sharing together, praying into what we talked about this morning. We do that in community. At any point you're in communion, if you want to receive prayer, there'll be men and women to do that. And we'll, as we end, we'll end with worship. So let's stand our feet together. I'll pray over us, and then we'll go to the communion tables. And we'll begin to practice what it is that we just talked about. Father, I love you. Lord, thank you for this new year. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for the place that you have us. God, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you call us deeper? Would you align us with more spiritual integrity? Would you elevate our perspective so we can see you, know you more fully? God, thank you for the gift of this Sunday morning. Thank you for the bread that is the body of Christ. Thank you for the juice that is the blood of Christ. Thank you for this this sacramental moment where the mystery of your grace meets us in the material elements and that we get to experience the living presence of Jesus among us. And so God, we thank you for this time. Would you just, would you infuse our words and our prayers and our worship and our conversations? Would you be high and lifted up and may you open our eyes so that we could see you more fully. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.